This is Ross Turbo Levine, two-time karate combat middleweight world champion, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the ProSource Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neil Wallace-Bruce, and I'm joined by Mr. Kobe Laurent. Happy birthday, Kobe. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, and... Looks like the Aussies have proven me wrong, and they are still rolling in the Women's World Cup. The power of a home crowd. Yeah, do not underestimate the power of 26 to 28 million people behind you. We'll see how they go in the Final Four. They're up against England in the semifinals coming up. But, um, yeah, it will be a throwdown. It will be a one for the ages, no doubt. And speaking of which, our guest today, he, he knows a little bit about throwing down and Getting his kicks in. We've got a, a legend, legend of the sport of karate. He's also part of the, the karate combat competition, which you can see on CBS Sports and Eurosport, as well as ESPN Deportes. And when he's not kicking ass on the mats, he's kicking ass on his, of his clients. Cause he's also, um, getting his, uh, people in shape so that they're fighting fit and healthy, just like him. It is the one and only Ross Levine. Ross, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate that awesome intro. I don't know if I could have done it better myself. We do our best around here. And um, it's a pleasure to have you on. And, mate, yeah, as I said, you've, you've been in the game for a while. You're a, you're a world champion, two-time world champion. But let's take it back to all the way back where it started. What got you into karate to begin with? Yeah, I mean, I was seven years old. Uh, my older brother was doing martial arts first. You know, he uh, he was getting bullied a little bit as a kid. And uh, my parents put him into martial arts. You know, my dad was a martial artist through his life as well. So, um, you know, I really had no intention of joining the martial arts. But um, after following my brother and, you know, watching him, he had done like a uh, interschool tournament, won a trophy. And I was like, ooh, I want that. So, you know, I guess I started martial arts for all the wrong reasons, the, all the material stuff, but I ended up sticking with it all these years later. But yeah, that's how my journey got started. Now, you say tongue-in-cheek the wrong reasons, but I feel like doing martial arts has obviously had other benefits. I mean, you, you're a fi- fighting fit, you're as fit as a fiddle, and I'm sure there are other benefits like discipline and other things. T- tell us a little bit about that, some of those uh, byproducts, if you will. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's so funny because when I was little, you know, the karate school that I joined was T. Kang Taekwondo. And one of the things that we were memorizing was something called the aims to achieve. And, and I still remember these to this day. It's courtesy, integrity, self-control, indomitable spirit, you know, and, and these are some things that it's like they, they stick with you through life the, the entire way. And if it wasn't for some of those values, you know, doing things like competing at a very high level, traveling, maintaining my schoolwork, getting my doctorate. I mean, those are pieces that have stuck with me through life that have helped me be successful. 
you know, and it's more the value than it is the kicking and punching, you know, of course, that's been helpful to some degree, but it's the things that you learn alongside of it, the people you meet and, uh, you know, how you carry yourself through the world that really matters. And I feel like martial arts does that to everybody it touches. Wait, you have a doctorate, you said, PhD? I do. Yeah. my uh, Not a PhD. So PhD is on the research side for physical therapy. So uh, I have a, a doctorate. It's called a DPT, uh, Doctor of Physical Therapy. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, four years of the undergraduate university. And then it's another three years of a doctorate, a medical program, you know, for uh, for the physical therapy. There's no more masters in the U.S. I believe in Canada, you can still get your masters. But in the U.S., it's only a doctorate. So it's an additional three year program. Hey. You don't need a master's, man. You're already a master on the mat, so you're good. You're particularly you're good, but um, you are actually the second. Thank you, thank you. You are the second DPT that's come on the show. Shout out to Dr. Edwin Poras out there, the fantasy injury doc. And oh, awesome! I think from now on, I don't know if your nickname has it already, but I think your nickname needs to be Doctor Karate when you're on the mats, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny, a, a buddy of mine who's uh, one of my teammates, uh, Brennan Ward, who uh, just fought in Bellator the main event last weekend, he always calls me Doc Turbo. So, uh, you know, we'll, we might stick with that. It was, it's been Turbo for years, but, you know, he calls me Doc Turbo. So Doc we'll Turbo. see how that goes. I'm, I'm feeling it. Yeah, we're, we're going to get that one up there. Doc Turbo. Kobe, you did some karate you before, didn't you? A number of martial arts I've studied, but something I wanted to actually ask him specifically when it comes to Taekwondo even is karate combat sort of changed the image of karate, Taekwondo and the like. There was a time where karate was seen as one thing in film and another thing in reality. And a lot of people sort of dismissed it because of the competitions that were involved, which were mostly point fighting competitions. I'm certain you've competed in a number of those, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I fought in the, the sport karate for years. I mean, that's really where my uh, my namesake comes from is, you know, all of my accolades prior to my full contact career were all sport martial arts. And there were a lot of, you know, big name competitors that you see now in MMA, kickboxing that came from that same league. Guys like Raymond Daniels, like Michael Venom Page. You know, these are guys that I fought my entire career. So, you know, we came up in the same league, the same organizations competing against each other. And, uh, yeah, I did that for 20-plus years at, at the highest level. Now, in mixed martial arts, karate started to get a little bit of respect, but only with certain individuals, and they were sort of seen as, like, sort of outside the norm when it came to the actual karate practitioners and how karate was sort of perceived by the masses. But now with karate combat, do you feel like that's beginning to change, that people are taking it a little more seriously? It is. I, I definitely think this is a step in the right direction. You know, I think the guy that you're certainly referring to is Lyoto Machida, who was the the first guy to really come on the scene and dominate, you know, as a karate practitioner where his style really reflected that. Yes. You know, some other fighters may have had a martial arts background, but it didn't look that way where, you know, now you see Lyoto compete and he has that bladed stance, that strong reverse punch. Uh, yeah. And, and now with karate combat, I think you're starting to see there's some respect being earned by some of the fighters and, and I hope to lead the charge on that. You know, especially you have guys like myself, like Rafael Agaev, like Raymond Daniels joined the league as well. You know, uh, Bruno Souza, who, who was one of, um, you know, Lyoto's head students, top students. You know, I think we're starting to see like, Hey, these guys are not just like karate 
fighters, but with a karate base, you can do so much. And you look at the rule set and the environment is so different and so unique and karate prevails. So it's just another step in the right direction for, for martial arts. And, you know, I don't think there's one league that's better than another, but uh, I do love how karate is the highlight and they're showing the, the roots of martial arts and bringing it back full circle here. Now you're a high level back belt. Do you have students? I do. Yeah. So I don't own my own gym, but uh, I do still teach quite a bit, you know, at the, the gym that I train at. Uh, I'm teaching constantly and, and I do have some students that are competing, you know, mostly at the amateur level. And, you know, I have plenty of amateur and professional teammates as well that I train with, but I do still teach. Yeah. Now, I don't know what the situation was like in the States, but when I was growing up, there was always a number of either karate or taekwondo schools in most major cities here in Canada. It was always available to us and it was always an option of something to pursue as a kid. But the UFC changed that and the growth of jiu-jitsu became a major factor in the market as a option to pursue. Do you think karate combat kind of switches things around and brings it back to where it was? Potentially. You know, I think it all depends on the, the school itself. You know, there's still, and this goes for across the board in combat sports, you could go to boxing gyms and there are some boxing gyms that are really really good and some gyms that are not quite good and we know this a lot with karate and i think the the reason why karate got such a bad rap is as it started to develop and become more commercialized you saw the rise of these what we call mcdojos, <laughs> McDojos right? uh, yeah. the the belt factories of this, oh, yeah. you know it became more of a business than it became you know about teaching you know high quality students and teaching self-defense and I think we're starting to see a big resurgence now. And there are people in the, the field that are really leading the way and, and are pioneers. And when I say pioneers, it's not that they're doing anything spectacular when it comes to like their martial arts. Obviously, they have good quality, but pioneers in the fact of trying to change the game of saying, hey, we could be a business and we can have high quality martial arts and, and deliver a good product where in the past it was if you want to be rich, teaching martial arts, your students are going to suck. And if you want to have really, really good students, you're not going to make any money. You'll be broke. Yeah. But there is a way to tie it together. And, and uh, people like Adam Kiefer is one of them leading the charge. Jotty Tension is another. I mean, these are guys that are just really pushing the entire industry forward. And, um, you know, one day I plan to be on that train and own my own gym and do what they're doing as well. Make a big difference. Right on, buddy. You're on the right path. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing, and we hope that uh, we hope to see you succeed on that path. Now, we want to, I guess, enlighten our listeners, our listeners more about uh, karate combat. You fought earlier this summer in in June, if I'm not mistaken. Tell us a little bit more about that competition. Yeah, I mean, my uh, my last fight was uh, was actually in April. It was April first, and um, so a little bit before June. But yeah, I mean, it, it was great. It was uh, what many people considered a rematch. Uh, I fought Igor de Castaneda, a, a Spanish fighter, to defend my world title. And well, everyone says defend the world title. I say win another world title. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a really great matchup. You know, he definitely made some great improvements, but so did I. And you know, I proved why I belong at the top. You know, I dismantled them and finished with a great KO. There we go. And what when you say win another world title do you keep keep the belt from the previous defense do you keep the 
Uh, do you get a new belt each time? That's what I'm trying to ask. Do you get a new belt each time you win? I do. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a, a new belt, so I've got two sitting here at home for me. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's also just more so the mentality, right? So when you say the word defend, it, it implies defense, which implies in many cases going backwards or standing your ground. You know, but I like to look at myself as more of the hunter, you know, in, in every situation. So I'm always trying to attack. I'm always trying to finish. I'm never being defensive, you know, right off the gate. You know, I'm always trying to break down my opponents, pick them apart and put them away. So, you know, my whole mentality going into it was not going to be the, you know, the end quote and still, but it was and two. You know, I wanted to win a second world title and, and be attacking the entire time. And that's what I did. Mm hmm on the front foot and big time because we've spoken to one guy in particular Bert Watson who's a personality around combat sports uh and he talks about this idea of never leaving it to the judges so you obviously believe in that you, you want to get it done on the mat you want to finish it well sure I mean you know I, I hate that term honestly and, and no offense to him but the judges are there for a reason and I think people say like oh don't leave it to the judges because in recent history, especially, we've seen a lot of really poor decisions. And it's also like, it's just a lack of education for the referees and not the referees, the judges, you know, sometimes not everyone's on the same page when we really should be. And that's a problem with the, the state by state commission, you know, at least in the US, I think there needs to be a national commission where everyone's educated and on the same page. But the beautiful part about karate combat is our contracts are structured with big incentives. So we actually get paid more based on the method of victory. So if I win by decision, I make a certain amount. If I win by TKO, I make more. And if I win by knockout, I win even more. So, you know, the incentive should always be there to finish the fight. You know, I don't get paid by the minute. So if I can get out of there quick as possible, then I want to do that. But I'm also incentivized financially as well. Cool. I've never heard of it, but I like that idea. So that's awesome. Now, yeah, you touched on the, the states, fighting across different states. Could we see Karate Combat come up to Canada, or could we see it uh, fight in other jurisdictions outside of the United States in the future? Absolutely. The, they've done fights you know, during COVID. They actually they started pre-COVID, where they had a few live shows in the U.S., and then with COVID time, one of the, well, the league president is Hungarian. So they'd have a big Hungarian contingency. And during COVID, they were doing uh, pre-recorded shows in Budapest. And I was able to fight there a couple times as well. Actually, my first two events uh, for Karate Combat were in Budapest. And they do have plans on returning back overseas. Uh, you know, there's talks about the fights in the Caribbean, uh, back in Europe. And I do believe that Canada is going to be a targeted region because they do have a bigger influx of Canadian fighters, you know, with the likes of, you know, world champion Gabriel Varga is on the roster. Uh, my good friend, Robbie Lavoie, who's also a point fighter, uh, he's on the roster. And you've got a, a couple other really talented Canadians as well. There we go. You know, we're all for Northern exposure up here. With The more fighting we can see, the better. Right, Kobe? 100%, buddy, 100%. Now, me and I were actually talking a little bit about this before you, you joined us, Ross, and that's Karate Combat has all the ingredients to be a successful promotion, 100%. Mm. I mean, if if you were to watch your typical mixed martial arts card today, you're going to have situations where the audience will be disapproving and booing, and those 
are generally caused by large grappling exchanges of very little happening. You don't have right. that in karate combat, right? You have grappling, but to a very small extent, and it's just long enough to, to make a statement. Correct. Now, I also like the use of the pit, okay? The, the way the actual fighting surface is designed, which is very reminiscent of of Jean-Claude Van Damme's Bloodsport. You see, I, I mean, it just, yeah. so, just automatically has you thinking that. So how does the pit change the way you fight? Oh, it changes everything. You know, I, when you're used to full contact sports and you either have, you think of boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, which happens in a ring. Yeah. And then, of course, MMA, which happens in a cage. And then, you know, if you compete in WACO or some other organizations, you know, you can do like light contact, uh, which is essentially like a continuous, like a continuous kickboxing, but there's no knockouts allowed uh, on a tatami, on an open mat. But the pit is completely different because obviously there's no warning track. You don't really notice unless you have really good like spatial awareness when you're getting close to the pit wall. Mm -hmm. And then of course it's angled. So when you fall back on the pit wall, you're not a downed opponent. So you can get hit with anything, head kicks, knees, flying attacks. I mean, anything. It's not until your butt hits the ground that that five second timer goes off for the ground and pound. So if you're stuck on the back of that, uh, on your back on that pit wall, you're in big trouble because it's really hard to get up and you're just a sitting duck. So yeah, the goal is don't be there, but it affects everything of the way you fight because I don't want to be there. So that's why I know you mentioned like on the front foot, part of the reason of why I think the the meta style that that i've developed uh, i personally believe is the most successful style in karate combat is aggressive is pushing forward and and maintaining that space but always keeping my opponents on the pit wall you know we're there at a disadvantage if they take a step back they're you know uh an easy target 100 percent, 100 percent. i've watched your fights and you you have put guys up against that pit wall a number of times and it's not a very happy place to be it's awesome yeah. to watch, by the way. Awesome to watch. There's a lot of space available. So you see techniques as well in karate combat that you don't usually see in MMA because of the confines of the cage. You don't really have that in the pit. For people who have not watched this, if you're into striking, it's something you 100% have to see. It's extremely dynamic, and you'll see techniques being used that are are not the norm for MMA because of the design of the sport itself and, of course, the design of the pit. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Why is it that like kicks between the the knee and the belt are disallowed. Why is that a thing? Yeah. So from what I understand, well, first of all, I couldn't agree more with, if you haven't watched karate combat, you need to, you're missing out, especially if you like action. Uh, It's very, very rare that you get a boring fight in karate combat. Uh, As far as the rule set goes, you know, from what I understand, the reason why the only leg attacks are calf kicks and not kicks to the thigh is to eliminate the the kickboxing range. I think the goal of karate combat was to be, like you said, more dynamic. So we want to fight to the karate fighter's style, and the rules are built on that, and they're predicated on the explosive attack, the the diving in, you know, collisions, and then you know having these flying attacks, spinning attacks, 
combinations that you just don't get to see in MMA. And, and again, I think because of that combined with the pit wall, you run out of space really quickly and you're forced to use these different attacks to utilize the space properly. So it's, uh, it's really interesting. It, it changes the game for kickboxers. And I really think it, it allows the, the true martial artist to succeed and, and flourish inside of the pit. Okay. So that was something I was going to ask you next is, I mean, you've been training since you were what, seven, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are, are there things that you have developed specifically for karate combat? Well, I think the, the main thing is every fight sport is similar in the sense that the person who can master distance control and timing is automatically going to have an advantage. That doesn't matter if you're in a pit, in a, a ring, or in yeah. a cage. You have to have those qualities. Uh, now, with, with the rule set, you obviously just have to fight to the rule set. You know, So you know, the big thing for me was just figuring out what can I do, what can't I do? And what am I good at? And how do I maximize what I'm good at for each individual fight? Now, sometimes that plays a role in styles. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I think being able to blend my sport karate, the, the bounce, the distance control, that timing, you know, having that being exceptional, and then apply the concepts of kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai, and use that all together. And then be able to open up when my opponent's on the pit wall and, and do something fun and crazy. I think it's become, like I said before, I, I truly believe that the style that I've developed for karate combat is is the best in the world. And, you know, I'm constantly evolving. And who do you look up to outside of your division who impresses you? Uh, within that, That's active on the karate combat roster or just martial artists in general? Active on the karate combat roster. You know, there's there's certainly a bunch of really, really good fighters. Uh, I'm fascinated with uh, Rafael Agaev. You know, he's um, largely sought after as the GOAT, you know, the, the best, the greatest that's ever done it in the, the WKF point fighting world. Now, we've never crossed paths as point fighters because the sport karate league that I came up in was more of an open style as opposed to WKF, which was a little more closed off. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, they have, you know, Olympic level and Olympic caliber fighters where sport karate never hit that Olympic level, but our competitions were still massive. So yeah, the, the level is still super high, you know, so guys like that, I mean, Gabriel Varga is multiple time world champion. Uh, although he lost his last fight in karate combat, I, I firmly believe that he will eventually be the champion. Um, a good friend of mine, you know, uh, Owen Chelmia is one of the champions in the Bantamweight division. He's a phenomenal fighter. And yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel like, you know, I respect everyone because they're true. They're all true martial artists, you know. Uh, so to be able to step into the pit, which is a new environment that no one's ever seen before, we're all kind of trailblazers at this point. Yeah, no, that's awesome, buddy, for sure. Yeah, and, and you're leaving your mark on this particular domain. But Ross, you've also left your mark in previous fighting competitions, most notably the Warrior Cup. You're the all-time wins leader, if I'm not mistaken, in that one. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that was a uh, sport karate event that's still going on today in uh, Chicago. And um, yeah, they uh, I've won that event many times and I, I hold the record for the most wins at that event. And uh, yeah, I hold that near and dear to my heart, man. It's uh, it's one thing to go and win a tournament, but to win it year after year. And, you know, it, it essentially becomes my event where if I showed up, I was winning, you know, and it wasn't because the, there weren't good fighters there. I just... For whatever reasons, uh, I was always on. 
you know, at that event. So yeah, I'm very proud of that. That was uh, Doc Turbo's office, if you will. There you go. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Now, you also fought in、uh, glory kickboxing. Did you ever fight out in Asia as part of that? I did not. You know,、um, when I fought for glory kickboxing, I got signed in 2019. I had two events here in the US. Coincidentally, both of them were in Florida. I fought in Orlando and then I fought in Miami. And、uh, I was scheduled to have my next fight in Belgium. In March of 2020, and we all know what happened in March of 2020.、Uh, unfortunately, you Canadians got it hit the worst, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, literally, I think it was three weeks prior to my,、uh, my fight is when COVID shut the world down. So that was my,、uh, my last fight with Glory. And unfortunately, I never got to compete in Asia for any event. It's, it's on my list. You know, if you, if you consider Russia part of Asia, Which you know, some people do, some people don't. But、um, I fought in、uh, St. Petersburg when I was a little younger, but that's about as far into that continent as I've gotten. Wow. Wow. St. Petersburg. That's a historical yeah, that's city.、Awesome. What, what was that like? I was, it was interesting.、Um, I didn't love the area that we were in.、Uh, we, didn't, we were like just outside of downtown, so it wasn't the prettiest area, but the event was amazing. It was actually in a pretty big arena. I can't remember the name of it. I, I was much younger, too.、Uh, I want to say I was maybe 17 or 18. But yeah, the, the competition was unbelievable. You know, we, were, we thought it was going to be a point fighting event, and it turned into something a little bit more full contact. But we held our own. I, I did great. I won a gold medal at the event. Yeah, one of the world games was being held there. It was incredible. Fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I hope that, I mean, after they come to Canada first, I hope that Karate Combat. Gets out to Asia. I feel like there's a big opportunity there, and I, I really want to see this take off. I feel like it's a, it's a great competition, and I feel like it's got big potential out there in the Far East. I agree with you. And they actually just had their first Japanese fighter on the roster. They do have another fighter from the Philippines. So I think slowly but surely it's, it's coming along. And I have no doubt that you know, Karate Combat, as it continues to grow, will eventually have a market in Asia, whether they do an event in Japan or You know, in Thailand or you know, somewhere else in, in the Far East. I, I can't wait for that, and I'd love to be part of one of those events. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing that. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you in, that, in said event as well. Do you know what your next fight is, Ross? I don't. I don't, unfortunately. You know, we were hoping、uh, they are aiming for an event sometime in September, and、uh, I was hoping to get on that event. This has been the unfortunate. Problem of being on the top. You know, when you're at the top of the division, you kind of have to wait for whoever's next in line. And、uh, everyone that's below me in, in the weight class right now in the 185 division is either only coming off one win or they've lost. And, you know, they, they haven't quite built up enough momentum to challenge for the title yet. So I'm, I'm kind of in limbo when it comes to the middleweight division. And then with light heavyweight, there's just been several people that have flat out said no, that they, they, they didn't want to fight me at the 205 division. So You know, I'm willing to fight in both weight classes, and、uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have something at least once by the end of the year, you know, preferably twice. But we'll see what happens. All I could do is stay ready, and, and when they call my name, you know, show up and do my best. Is it a difficult cut for you to 185 or no? No, not, not really. You know, when I was、uh, a little younger, when I was fighting for glory kickboxing, I was fighting at welterweight, which was 169 pounds. That was challenging. I believe I can still do it. But it's not in my best interest <laughs> at this stage of my career.、Uh, you know, I'm a little older now and、uh, I've also put on a lot more muscle. So, 
185 is fantastic for me. I feel great. Uh, I'm strong. I'm fast in that division. And I think that's the perfect weight for me to display my, my true skills. And I think at, at 205, I can still be incredibly dynamic. And, you know, those guys are not that much bigger than me, you know, maybe a little taller, but you know, I, I do believe that my speed and precision and distance control uh, can really outmatch their strength and size advantage. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to fight in both weight classes and see what happens. Now, outside of the fighting, are you, are you a practicing physiotherapist at this point? I am, yeah. So I, I used to work in clinic. Uh, I don't anymore. You know, I'm going on my ninth year as a doctor of physical therapy. But I actually started my own business a little over a year ago called Turbo Sports Performance. And I work pretty much solely, I'd say 95% of my clientele are all martial artists and I can work remotely as well. So essentially, you know, whether it's rehabilitation of an injury or someone who just wants to get a little bit better, maybe they're, they want some flexibility help or mobility, or they just want to get stronger and more fit. Uh, or if you're a competitor looking to up your game and improve your strength and conditioning, you know, that's something that I can offer with uh, remote programming for you. You know, we actually just added a nutrition component to that as well. So people are looking to just be a little bit more fit overall. We can address those needs too. And uh, yeah, I've got two other coaches on my roster. One who is also actually on the Karate Combat roster. And uh, he's Canadian as well. So he trains over at uh, the famed TriStar. Uh, his name is uh, Zachariah Bambuchta. Uh, he's a phenomenal therapist, a phenomenal martial artist. And I'm pumped to have him on my team too. So yeah, man, my plan with that is to take over the world and just help martial artists stay healthy, get stronger, and, and be better. Now, what, what injuries are most prevalent amongst martial artists? Honestly, it's, it's the, the entire spectrum. You know, uh, I would say overall, probably lower back pain is, is the most of any athlete. But, I mean, you, you're going to see knee, shoulder, hip, you know, back, neck, ankle. You really see a little bit of everything, hand injuries, wrist injuries. You see it all with, with martial arts because it's so dynamic and it's such a total body movement. You know, it's not like you're playing a position where you're more apt to do one movement or the other. You know, if you're uh, a defenseman in, um, in soccer or football, you know, you're not playing the entire field. You're not always looking to score. You know, you have more of one role. Uh, where as in martial arts, you have to be able to go forward, backward, side to side, cut angles, you know, kick, punch, defend. It's, it's so much of everything. And, and I believe martial artists, combat athletes are the ultimate hybrid athlete. You know, you, it's not just about speed or strength, but it's also about endurance. It's, it's such an amazing and complex sport that it takes a true martial artist to understand it at its best. And that's why I do what I do. What's the worst injury you had to recover from? I would say my, my worst, if I had to put them in like a top tier, you know, I, I tore my hamstring back in 2010. That was not fun. It, it took a long time to really recover from that the right way. Um, but after my first title fight back in June of uh, 2022, I had a herniated disc in my lower back that uh, I actually fought with that injury and didn't know it was so bad. Um, that was a tough one, you know, having a, a, a disc herniation and having to rehab it, you know, without a procedure was challenging. But, um, you know, again, I think those are things that make me not only a better martial artist, but also a better therapist. The fact that I've been through these injuries is only going to help me coach them better. You know, so uh, I like to I like the fact that I'm able to relate 
to my clients on every level, you know, whether it's just, I walk the walk, I don't just tell them what to do. They see me doing it, but also I've experienced a lot of the things that they're experiencing. So it's nice to have someone that can coach you through that. Who's been there, who's done that and who knows what it takes to get to the level they want to be at. Okay. So this is a bit of a personal question. Do you think it's possible to get back to a hundred percent after a torn Achilles? Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Achilles injuries, don't get me wrong. They're, they're super challenging. They, they definitely take some time, but with the right rehab program, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, if I had to put a list out of some of the most challenging injuries to recover from Achilles tears, quad ruptures, ACLs, those are at the top of the list. They're very challenging, but a hundred percent. Absolutely. I, I have no doubt that you can be even better than you were pre-injury if you do it the right way. Okay. So I, I've had a quad rupture and I came back a hundred percent from that, but that was a long time ago. And I'm currently recovering from a torn Achilles in March. So good, good to hear I get back to a hundred percent. Same side or opposite side? Uh, opposite side, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not uncommon, you know? Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if because you, you know, had that quad injury on one side, you spent all that time during recovery compensating on the other side. It's very common to see that happen when you have these major uh, muscle tears or, or ruptures there, like whether it's ACL, quad, hamstring, you know, Achilles on one side, you end up having another like follow-up injury on the opposite side, you know, because so, of the way that you have to work. So yeah, that that's entirely right. Because last year I tore my soleus in my right leg. This year I, I tore my Achilles in my left. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Go. So we got a lot of things to work on my friends. Like <laughs> I need to get together here. Yeah. I don't take it easy. <laughs> it's yeah. all right it's all right i like that though i like the the uh the act of keeping you moving yep that's right always always on the front foot putting the, putting the best foot forward if you will um i i gotta take the it's in a slightly different direction i know you're in rhode island but mm. I, I have to ask about the seafood man because we're in we're in a landlocked province and it's just not the same here so what is it like out there <laughs> with the seafood where you're at it's it's legit, man. The seafood out here is legit. You know, Rhode Island is definitely well known for its food, actually. Uh, there's a big Italian and Portuguese contingent here. And there is a lot of seafood because we're right on the ocean. Um, you know, but the Northeast in general is very well known for its seafood, you know, whether it's lobster, uh, oysters, clams. I mean, it, it's all really, really good if you like that stuff. So yeah, if you if you need to get down to the East Coast, that's that's the way to go. Being in the Northeast is is all about good seafood, crab, everything. All right. Now, see, I, I like I like my calamari. I like my, my shrimp. Covey's gonna be stereotypical. He'll say that I like prawns. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Australia, so prawns are yeah, quite yeah. the thing. But you got what? What is a quahog? A quahog, because I thought it was the fictional town from the what's, what's that cartoon show? I, <laughs> family I, Guy. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it was the name of the town from Family Guy. Apparently, it's a fruit. What what is a quahog, please? Yeah, a quahog, a quahog is a clam. Oh, okay. It's a clam. Cool. All right. Well, I definitely have to get out to the northeast and check it out. Yeah, it's it's real. It's real. All of that stuff from Family Guy is real, my friend. <laughs> All right, I look forward to slapping my fight with Peter Griffin in the street as well. <laughs> there you go. Oh, good. Now, Doc Turbo, we're going with that, right, Doc, Doc Turbo? I like it. I like it. You call me whatever you want, my friend. <laughs> hey, you're a Yankee fan, so I'll, I'll call you nice things. If you're like a Red Sox fan, I'll, I'll call you some <laughs> unpleasant things. 
But appreciate it. Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, I mean, Instagram is the best way to reach me at Ross underscore Turbo underscore Levine. Uh, that's where you'll see all the content of, you know, Karate Combat, of my business, Turbo Sports Performance. You know, you can reach me there, comment, DM me. That's definitely the best. Um, I do have a Facebook. I'm not as active on Facebook. You know, I'm active on threads here and there. I'm, I'm still getting the hang of the social media thing, but Instagram is my mainstay. And then, of course, stay tuned with Karate Combat. Go to karate.com to uh, stay up to date. You know, they, they have a Discord now. So any information you need on what's upcoming with Karate Combat and, you know, my next potential opponents, it's all going to be there. You can watch it all, you know, free on YouTube as well. Hey, there's no excuse. If it's free, that's exactly. absolutely no excuse. Now, before I get you out of here, can we get a bold prediction from you? It could be anything, but if it's from the world of karate, that's a bonus. Just give us a bold prediction for the rest of the year or for the next 12 months. Hmm. In the next 12 months, my bold prediction is that Ian Gary... Uh, Ian Machado Gary of the UFC will be the welterweight champion. Whoa. That, I think that, that is, is that is bold, my bold prediction. Bold prediction. You heard it here first. I mean, he's on his way. He's on his way. I mean, he's got to get past Neil Magny this weekend. That's no uh, joke. Actually right up here in Boston. So I'm, I'm pumped to see that. But uh, yeah, I'm a big believer of, uh, of Ian. Uh, he's a phenomenal martial artist. He's young. He's uh, surrounding himself with the best fighters in the world. You know, I've had some time to interact with him a little bit. And uh, you could just tell he believes in himself. He, he wants it. He's hungry. And uh, he's not a stranger to not being the best person in the room. And I think it's rare to find that where a lot of times people at the high level, they like to be comfortable and they like to be the best person in the room. And that, that ego is what actually holds them back. They may reach the highest level, but they won't stay there for long. You know, you look at guys like Israel Adesanya, and he's, um, you know, one of the reasons why he's so successful, aside from how talented he is, you look at the gym around him, and, and he's constantly under pressure all the time at, at CKB. They're, they're amazing. And, you know, Ian Gary is, is the same. You know, he trains at Killcliffe. He just went down to Brazil. And he's planning to train with Adesanya as well, so... You know, I just believe in his skills. I believe in his process. And, um, you know, I believe in his own self-belief. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in Ian. Uh, he's a phenomenal guy, a super talented martial artist. And, yeah, I think within 12 months he'll be uh, a welterweight champion of the world. Okay. Well, we appreciate that. We're going to follow that very closely. And Kobe's going to be on that like a, a basset hound. 100. There you go. We, have, I can already see it being thrown up as like a, uh, like a soundbite or some sort of thing on Threads um, when it comes to pass. So, yeah, yeah. Look forward Save to that, that. soundbite. I don't think it's going to take super long. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.